Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about how in the future, you might be able to transfer data through music. You'll also learn about the world of possibilities for cell-sized robots in the final edition of our Microscale Mondays miniseries. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Scientists have found a way to transfer data through music. Imagine a world where you don't have to ask for the Wi-Fi password in hotels or cafes, where instead the access data is transferred through music. And no, it's not a jingle that spells out password 12345. How did you know my password? (laughs) A team of researchers at ETH Zurich recently developed a technology to store data using musical notes that the human ear won't hear, but a smartphone can. This might sound like an existing wireless technology like Bluetooth, which does use radio waves to transmit data between devices. But Bluetooth can be finicky, and it only works if users pair their devices. This new technology straight up uses sound. And since every smartphone has a built-in microphone that can pick up audio data, users could decode that data by doing something as simple as downloading an app that reads the right algorithm. Companies have been experimenting with sound wave data transmission since 2009, but the Zurich team stands apart because of their mission to integrate data into music without affecting listening pleasure. The scientists use notes at very high frequencies that the human ear can barely register to signal where the decoder algorithm should look for data. Then, over the dominant frequencies in the music, they added slightly higher and lower notes at a quieter volume. These overlaid notes are what carried the data. With this technology, the researchers were able to achieve a transfer rate of 400 bits per second while preserving the source music. Here's a sample of what the music might sound like. We'll play a clip of a performance from the ETH Big Band with no data, and we'll play a clip of the music with data. But you have to guess which is which. Here's your first clip. And here's your second clip. That second clip contained data. That data being the shortened URL for the press release for the study. Could you even hear the difference? The ETH team noted that the data transfer rate realistically would be closer to 200 bits per second because some repetition of data is necessary to ensure accuracy and quality. Considering the trade-off between the transfer rate, quality of data, and quality of music, this technology works best for short and simple pieces of data, like Wi-Fi passwords. And another industry where sharing data through music could come in handy is proximity marketing. Someday, you might be able to receive special promotions or product information from music played over a store's speakers. Where there's background music and smartphone users, the possibilities are endless. It's like you check in your hotel room, you go there and maybe it's playing some Muzak, and then suddenly your phone's on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. My vote is Backstreet Boys, sung by a parrot. Perfect. Machines that are the size of a human cell could change the future. And you're about to learn how in the final edition of our Microscale Mondays miniseries. Over the last few weeks, you've learned how these machines are made, how they move, and how we communicate with them. And Cornell University physicists Paul McEwen and Itai Cohen are back this week with some pretty cool ideas about the true potential of these origami robots. Here's Paul McEwen. So one area that uh, we were initially focused on was in the area of neuroscience. As you may be aware, uh, Obama launched something called the Brain Initiative a few years back where there was a a big push to bring more and more technology to bear on the uh, understanding and control of the brain. And these little chips that we've made that can record information 
were initially envisioned as to be part of that project, to be part of the brain initiative. In the future, we would like to even have these little little devices that you could put near a brain and they would crawl inside of the brain and get near a neuron and record a signal, for example. That would be the slightly dystopic uh, dream of some of the research. So are these machines more capable of monitoring, as you mentioned, they can take in a lot of information, or will they be able to take action? Like, will you be able to design one that acts like maybe a red or white blood cell, for example, like that kind of nanomachine? Maybe not a red or white blood cell, but we're trying to get them to stimulate neurons. So uh, one of the uses that we're employing in my lab is we're implanting some of these chips, and by shining light on them, we can get them to electrically actuate or trigger a neuron to fire. And so you can imagine having one of these devices near a neuron that's responsible for flight in an insect or some other type of behavior. And as you shine light on this uh, device, it will trigger that neuron to fire and activate a muscle, which will then change the flight of that insect or something like that. Yeah, one little uh, added bit on that. Uh, You know, we are certainly not the only people playing around in this general space. And, for example, there's work in a number of places, including Stanford, where they're using a similar approach. You shine light on a little device that puts out an electrical signal that then stimulates the retina and can be used for artificial retinas for basically curing blindness. So learning how to interface electronics with biological systems is a huge push that's going on right now in many different places. Uh, one of the things we want to do in the future is to create uh, little robots that know how to move around inside of tissue, for example, inside of the brain, without causing any damage, to be small enough not to cause scarring, but learn how to you know, slowly squiggle around to find the place where they need to be to record the neural signal. Because right now, as you know how it's done, is basically there's an ice pick that's stuck inside of the brain uh, with a recording element on the end of it, and we'd like to do something a little more elegant. From what I've read, these microscale machines can be equipped with electronic, photonic, and chemical payloads. What are the chemical payloads? Like, how much can they carry? Oh, uh, well, effectively, these things can carry something like 10 times their weight. So uh, you can imagine a little box on top of the robot that is uh, tens of microns high and tens of microns on a side. So that's still much thinner than a hair diameter but quite a big uh, load for the size of the robot. And, and I should say they can also do chemistry, so they don't have to carry the chemicals. They have little electrodes in the water, and you shine light on them, they can apply voltages and, for example, change the local pH of the water and create uh, uh, reactive species. They can do other kinds of, of redox chemistry. They can basically go in and, and change things that are there, take an electron off of a molecule, put an electron on a molecule, which can dramatically change its function. To be clear, that's what electrochemists do every day of the week. All we're doing is stealing it and putting it on a tiny robot. Hmm. Big changes in neuroscience are just the beginning of the possibilities for these microscale machines. Here's Paul with some final thoughts on the future of origami robots. I'm really excited about this as a technology. I'm just super excited about 10 years from now when we've gotten all this stuff nailed down to the point where it can be used very widely. I just think that's a tremendously interesting possibility that you can mail order your tiny robot. The possibilities are endless. We can't even dream. But, but I really do imagine it may be in, in the future that uh, when you're you know, having a tumor removed, you know, the surgeon will go in and cut out the, the large-scale stuff, but then you'll send in these little tiny robots to go in and, and cut out the little bits uh, in a very intelligent way with a lot of light coming in, directing them, imagining a bunch of little laser beams flying all around the place, and these little robots going to the spots where they are, testing the cell to see if it looks cancerous or not, and then killing it. I think, you, you know, you just can't believe how interesting this can get. 
We hope you enjoyed our Microscale Mondays miniseries featuring Paul McEwen, director of the Kavli Institute at Cornell for Nanoscale Science, and Itai Cohen, professor of physics at Cornell University. We'll keep an eye on the latest and greatest developments in their research. And of course, you can learn more about their work in today's show notes. So what did we learn today, Cody? Today we learned that scientists have figured out a way to transfer data through music, and that could make signing into Wi-Fi a lot easier in the future. And that light-activated cell-sized robots could use microscopic lasers to change neuroscience and surgery forever. So does that mean size matters or size doesn't matter? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious.